Welcome to ID the Future, a podcast about evolution and intelligent design. I'm your host, Mike Keyes. Today, we're going to speak with another Mike, Mike Flannery, who is Professor Emeritus of the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Uh, he holds degrees in library science from the University of Kentucky and history from Cal State University, Dominguez Hills. He has published extensively in medical history and bioethics, winning the prestigious Edward Kramer's Award in 2001 from the American Institute for the History of Pharmacy. He's done a lot of work on a particular scientist, Alfred Russell Wallace. Wallace was the co-discoverer alongside Darwin of the idea of natural selection, which of course was a central feature of Darwin's theory of evolution. I'm really excited to engage Mike in conversation today because he's just come out with a new book on Wallace with the University of Alabama Press, and it's called Nature's Prophet, Alfred Russell Wallace and His Evolution from Natural Selection to Natural Theology. Welcome, Mike, to the show. Thank you, Mike. Now, that's quite a title, especially the prophet in the title. A prophet we typically think of as one who publicly reads and interprets a text. But in this case, you probably have the, what, sort of like the text of nature in mind? Exactly. If you look at uh, the word prophet, you can have a number of different meanings for it, whether it's being translated from the equivalent in Hebrew but more particularly, I had in mind the, the Greek equivalent of the word prophet, which was an interpreter of text. And what I want to suggest by this title is that Wallace was reading the text of nature, and from that reading was coming up with a particular set of ideas that really brought him from his theory of natural selection, which, as you already indicated, he had co-discovered along with Charles Darwin. Of course, he was halfway around on the other side of the world when he did this. At any rate, he went from reading a text that suggested to him natural selection to really a much richer one that was suggesting a formulation more in touch with natural theology. And that's the subtitle, Alfred Russell Wallace and His Evolution from Natural Selection to natural theology. So, it's in your subtitle, must be an important component of your book. It is. It is. And, and I guess one of the points I want to let the listening audience know is that I don't want them to misconstrue this as a biography. This book is really not a biography. It's an intellectual history of Wallace's independent thinking on the ramifications of evolution to the human condition and to the nature of the world and the cosmos and its theological implications. In fact, the book, I actually launched the book on a specific time period, or a specific date, actually. I launched the book with a chapter, Wallace on Man, in which Wallace reads before the Anthropological Society of London on March 1st, 1864, a paper that talks about the origin of human races and the antiquity of man. 
So that really that really launches his intellectual odyssey, as it were, that I want to focus in on and discuss in the book. So again, this is not a biography. Those who want to follow the life of Wallace in, in all of its rich diversity are welcome to uh, take a look at my Alfred Russell Wallace, A Rediscovered Life, which was published a number of years ago and I'm, I'm sure is readily available on Amazon and, and other outlets. Okay, very good. So we've got your earlier Alfred Russell Wallace book, A Rediscovered Life. If you want to read a biography, now you're breaking out into more detail a particular trajectory within the life of Alfred Russell Wallace, and it's this this movement from discovering or co-discovering natural selection to drawing some surprising conclusions about natural theology. Now, Wallace was not a traditionally religious man, was he? So, what what this this evolution from natural selection to natural theology? This seems to be sort of out of sync with what we normally would think of as someone standing alongside Darwin who's not traditionally religious. This seems to be out of sync with sort of the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist of, uh, of this time. What Can you help us here? Well, that's actually very true. You know, Wallace was not a religious man in the church-going sense. I mean, he was not a professed Christian he wasn't a professed follower of any organized religion. Having said that, he was not he he was not a follower of what was the zeitgeist of the age, which, which quite frankly was a move towards scientism, which is the idea that science can explain all the mysteries of life and those things that it cannot explain, it essentially eventually will explain. Wallace did not adhere to that kind of reductionist view of life, and he was part of this new emergent era ushered in really by Darwinian evolution, and it rejected creationism, it rejected natural theology, it, it rejected the notion of man-centeredness or anthropocentrism, as it's sometimes called, teleology, purpose, all the rest. And yet what you'll notice about each one of these things, which I think accurately encapsulate the zeitgeist of the age, launched by Darwin and certainly forwarded by Thomas Henry Huxley and his ex-club followers, what you'll notice about all of these things is they are not, strictly speaking, related to science. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, really, Darwinian evolution basically became an expression of a set of metaphysical beliefs or positions. Now, Darwinism made science a belief system rather than a method of inquiry. You know, Huxley really revealed, and I, and I got to add this in at this point, it's as good a point as any, Huxley revealed the ideological nature of his campaign for Darwinism when he told St. George Miver who was a scientist, he was a physician, he was a Catholic as well, and he wrote a book in 1871 called On the Genesis of Species. And Huxley wrote back to Myvert <laughs> with a very interesting sort of comment in a way that only Huxley could. And he says, you cannot go, and he's telling 
Myverdis. You cannot go running with the hare and hunting with the hound. So who's the hare, who's the hounds? Oh, there you go. That's the key. The point that I think Huxley was trying to make is that the, the hare of natural theology was being chased or run out by the hounds of Huxley and his ex-club followers, all championing and wielding the weapon of Darwinism, as it were. And so he's telling, look, look, Myvert, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. And what Myvert said in on the Genesis of Species was, look, we can believe in natural selection. We can believe in the laws of nature, as it were. We can even believe in the immutability and the certainty of those laws. But that doesn't mean that these laws are necessarily blind or unguided or not being supervised in some particular way by some intelligent process. Wallace had a name for that. He called it the overruling intelligence. So in some ways, Myvert and, and Wallace are sort of in sync here. And I think it's interesting that Huxley is basically telling Myvert, you can't have our brand of evolution and still hold on to these theistic beliefs. And I think he's showing his hand. I think Huxley is showing his hand that his campaign was not strictly a campaign for science, but really for a set of metaphysical propositions, which really boils down, to my way of thinking, to a form of scientism. So uh, the very name of Huxley's group, the X Club, seems to indicate there are insiders and there are outsiders. There's members of the club and people who are outside that membership. So you're telling us that this French physician, scientist, Catholic figure, and Wallace were outside this group? They were outsiders? They certainly weren't getting dinner and invitations to come to the X Club. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And I, I think as we spoke about in a previous podcast, Another person who did not receive a dinner invitation was Charles Lyell, the the famous geologist. So, yes, increasingly science became polarized, as it were, between Huxley and his ex-club followers on the one hand, and those who were not necessarily willing to follow down that trail. Excellent. Let's continue this conversation in another podcast, and we can explore further what it would take to be in the in-group, in the X-club, or in the out-group. And, of course, you've already demonstrated the out-group included some rather prestigious scientists like Charles Lyell. So there's certainly plenty of rationality and camaraderie with intelligent people outside the club. But uh, we'll continue this at a later time. Thank you, Mike, for joining us for this conversation. Thanks, Mike. I'm Mike Keyes. Thanks for joining us at ID the Future for additional exploration in this topic. I urge you to go to Amazon.com or your favorite online book distributor and check out Mike's new book called Nature's Prophet, Alfred Russell Wallace and His Evolution from Natural Selection to Natural Theology with the University of Alabama Press. So that's Mike Flannery's new book, Nature's Prophet. Go to Amazon and get it. Thanks for joining us. And we'll hope to have you join us another time as we continue this conversation. 
This program was recorded by Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture. ID the Future is copyright Discovery Institute. For more information, visit intelligentdesign.org and idthefuture.com.